Heavenly Father, we love you so much. You're so worthy to be praised. We lift your name on high, Lord. We want to give you glory tonight. We want to praise and worship you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us what to do in your word, O oh God. Thank you for giving us this book, the Bible, and, and teaching us and leading us to the right path until you come home, until you call us home, or you come and redeem us from this home. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, saints. Tonight, I want to talk to you about maintaining your faith and not falling victim to fear. Maintaining your faith and not falling victim to fear. You know, last time I shared, I talked about the testimony, testimonies. You know, that we sang that song tonight, they overcame him by the word of their testimony. If you look up into the, into the in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, where it talks about that scripture, that, that word, word, refers to logos. That logos is the same word used in John. The word became flesh and the word dwelt among you, referring to Jesus Christ. You know you, how you overcome? By the word of your testimony. The word is Jesus. You overcome by Jesus of your testimony. What a, what a neat example he gives. And, and Jesus has taught us all through the Bible. You know, it, the Bible, it seems, it starts off the New Testament, Jesus and his disciples. And it ends in John and Revelations. But in the middle there, there's so much of Paul. Paul taught, Paul got lessons. He, and all that portion of that scripture from the disciples to the end is there for us to learn how to be churched, to learn how to grow in a, in a world where there will be, you'll be boxed in, you'll be pushed up against, you'll be threatened a little bit, you'll be persuaded to do things that maybe you shouldn't do. All that time Paul spent teaching revelations from the, from the Holy Spirit how to maintain your Christian walk through your life. It's really exciting, and I, I find myself reading in Timothy often, and here I go again tonight in Timothy. We're going to start in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, probably a scripture most of you know by heart. It says, God has, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen, saints? But he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I've spoken to you in the past, in the recent past, about Paul's encouragement to Timothy in these scriptures, particularly in verse 6, where it says he wants to stir up the gift that's in you. He wanted to stir up the gift that was in Timothy. Uh, some translations will say this, he wanted to fan it into flame. Fan it, blow on it. Use some work to make that flame grow brighter, amen? And what's neat here is Paul does not necessarily, I thought it was, this was neat, Paul does not necessarily mention the particular gift. He just says to Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. I think that's neat for teaching in 2023. We can say, what gift has the Lord given you? Stir it up. What gift has the Lord put in you? Fan it to flame. I know one gift he's given us, all of us, is salvation. How is your salvation doing? Is it burning bright? Is it burning large? Is it burning hot. Paul wanted Timothy to maintain the gift that was in him. We can apply uh, this, this word can be applicable to gifts in our lives. What gift that you have in the Lord? What spiritual gift maybe you have? Or the gifts that the Lord's given you? How are you using them? But here's the takeaway point of this, that stirring up the gifts of the Lord, such gifts, if they're not used, if they're not encouraged in your life, they may fade out. 
right? We talked about this. They might go away. They might start to die down. You know what might even happen? Your own godly faith. We'll see. Paul was concerned about your own faith to begin to go from a, a hot flame to a little ember. That was concerning to Paul, and I think if it was concerning to Paul, it should be concerning to us today in 2023. And tonight I want to talk to you about serving God. Paul had a concern for one of his mentees here, Timothy, that the flame would go out in him because of fear. He said to Paul, he said to Timothy, he has not given us a spirit of fear, Timothy. There must have been something there, something happening something in the world that was going on in in that time that Paul said to Timothy, he has not given us a spirit of fear. He wanted Timothy to realize this. That his eyes would turn away from God and towards himself. Paul did not want Timothy to stop looking to God, the author and finisher of his faith. He did not want him to stop looking towards God for for his direction, for his purpose, for his words, for his sermons for his walk, for his prayer life. He wanted, he wanted Timothy not to start looking at his own self. This is what fear does, saints. Fear begins to make us wor- worry about the world around us and how it affects you personally. It worries about self-preservation. Fear worries about self-preservation. What about my house? What about my car? What about my job? What about my title? What will people think of me? How will people look at me? Will they treat me the same way? This is the idea of where fear, fear starts to bubble in. With a recent check, and I checked this recently, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, this is no surprise to us, the Bible is still the best-selling book of all time. You know that? It's the most published book of all time. The best-selling book and the most published book of all time. So the gospel is out there. So doesn't that mean that if it's the most published book and the most best-selling book, that the gospel message should be reigning high in everyone's life? It's interesting, isn't it, to think that the Bible is out there. The Word of God is out there in every country, almost in every language. And yet here we are, encouraging each other. Here Timothy was, Paul, Paul was encouraging Timothy about how to maintain. How to maintain. You see, saints, Just the word of God being out there does not necessarily mean that your life is going to be on fire for the Lord. The idea of you just saying, I'm a Christian, does not necessarily mean that your life is going to live through all the trials and temptations that this life will give you. There has to be something more than just saying, hey, it's the most published book. Hey, it's the most, it's the best-selling book of all time. There has to be something more that get out of it that that we can maintain to our life, and that's the life-saving power of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost. See, that's the, that's the hidden secret that people often miss. There's life-changing power in the best-selling book of all time. There's life-saving redemption in the book that's been published more than any other book. This is what we have to understand, that the Bible is more than just words. It's more than something that sits on our shelf. It should be something that's written on our hearts something that we apply to our minds and follow through every single day. It seems repetitive to say that. Oh, Brother Ben, we know that. Here's the follow-up. Are we doing it? Here's the follow-up. Are you maintaining it? The truth is, even some so-called Christians who are maybe well-versed in the Scriptures, 
have all fallen short of the glory of God. I'm one of them, amen? So what's the deal? The Bible is is God-confident, right? The Bible is God-confident. Fear is self-confident. There's a difference between being God-confident, knowing that I'm confident in God to help me in my faith, and the difference between I'm self-confident in my faith to help me through life. See, being self-confident in faith can only get you so far, but being God-confident in your faith. God is the reason of my faith will get you to eternity. This is the difference. It was important to Paul to share with Timothy. One of the main reasons the word of God fails to reach its full potential in people's lives, I think, and this is something Paul was seeing at his time also, the same thing that Paul, was fear. Was fear. What if I take this step of faith and it does not happen? So you know what? I'm not going to take this step of faith. What if I put myself on a limb, make myself vulnerable before the Lord, and I'm left out to dry? What happens? What does that mean? You know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It challenges our own inner core. Am I going to lay down my life? Let my feelings go. Let my ambitions go. Let what I think this world should be like. What if I was to lay that down? And say, Lord, you take the reins. What will happen? Are we confident that he has our back? Are we confident in his word? Fear says, hold on to something. Fear is self-preservation. Fear is an emotion that we can have in the natural, but it limits us. It can freeze us. It can fatigue us. It can make us weary. It can drown our thoughts. It can be something we, the only thing we think about. It can really persuade us to to get off track from the word of God. We've been hearing words from Brother Don about worry. The same idea. Worry, fear, they're sort of cousins, if you will. How can we learn to serve God in a fear-filled world? Something I was thinking about. Notice Paul felt this concern. Look at what verse 7 is sandwiched in between, saints. If you go back to 2 Timothy here. Verse 1, and I'm sorry, 2 Timothy verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. And then verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Look what Paul said to Timothy. Maybe we can put ourselves in there. Brothers and sisters, stir it up. Brothers and sisters, don't be ashamed. Look what's in that, in between that spirit of fear. There was the idea of stirring up, fanning the flame, getting motivated to serve God. On the other hand of it, don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Paul was saying, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of our, our brothers and the, the people you rub shoulders with in church, the believers you see in the community at your job. Don't be ashamed how their witness is, what their testimony is, how they stand up for the Lord. It may seem like, wow, that person's really bold. I don't want to, don't rock the boat too much, brother. No, don't be ashamed. Stand behind them, encourage them. Witness, win souls for Jesus Christ. Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gift that the Lord's given you. The word of God, the brothers and sisters in your life. In the middle we read, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see, the concern here was fear. 
that fear would cause the flame or that gift that Timothy had to burn out. That fear would cause one to become ashamed of the word of God. That fear would cause someone to be ashamed of their own brother and sister in Christ. That fear would cause someone to actually stop taking up God's word and walk away from it. This was a concern that Timothy had, or Paul had. It's quite amazing to think about, but saints, this is a real deal. This happens today. We'll talk more about that definition of fear in a moment. One of the greatest threats to a Christian's faith, I think, is fear. Lack of doubt. Not holding on to faith, but holding on to self-preservation. That's one of the things that can hinder your walk with the Lord the greatest. Sin, of course. But fear is something that humans take on ourselves. It is not something that God has given us. Fear can cause confusion. Fear often causes anger. Usually with fear, anger follows. Discord, separation. If you don't believe me, look at the recent events of our country and conspiracy theories and and people saying this thing and that thing. Look at at the passion and the anger it's caused and the frustration it's caused. People even saying, I'm telling you this is right. If you don't believe me, I'm not going to talk to you, to their own family members. They can't even get together on Thanksgiving and Christmas because of something passionate, something that drives them, something fearful in their hearts that makes them think, if we don't make a change, something bad's going to happen. Well, I want to share with you, what if God makes the change? What do we have to change? Let God have authority over what he has authority over, and that our nations. That's how this world's going to end up, right? But look at what fear can do. It can cause confusion and anger and discord. The, the fear can be damaging to our relationships, not only with each other, but even with Christ himself. If we lose our confidence in the gospel, saints, we lose our confidence in the word of God, it's the same thing as losing our confidence in our Christian faith. How is your confidence in the word of God as you walk daily? Without faith, what are we left with? The Bible, the good news as it's often called, tells us how to make it. Amen, saints? Tells us how to walk this life right before the Lord. Can I remind you how this is accomplished? This is accomplished by faith. Amen? From the start to finish, from from Genesis to Revelation, isn't this a book about faith? By faith, by faith, by faith. It's a book about faith. How do we get through to the end? It's a book about faith. Paul said this in Romans chapter 116, the just shall live by faith. Not fear, the just shall live by faith. Now fear and faith can be sort of, sort of interesting. They're both not seen. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things not seen, the evidence of things not seen as the definition gives us in Hebrews, right? Fear is something that sometimes we don't often see. It's something that might happen in our future. We don't see the fear that might come about us. If you've ever been camping at night in a tent, a thin piece of nylon separates you from the world around you, from the creatures of the night, and you hear a snap and a crack, what's the first thing you think about? Every time we hike, the first, pers- the first thing someone thinks about, that's a man-eating grizzly bear. But time out, we're in the Adirondacks, I don't think there's grizzly bears. No, that's a grizzly bear. We don't have grizzly bears in New York State. No, that's a grizzly bear. Or it's the boogeyman. Or it's the infamous Sasquatch. The Sasquatch is outside of our tent. 
This is the first thing people think about when they hear a crack. It shouldn't be a little raccoon looking for your food outside your tent. No, it has to be a bear, right? This is what fear does. It makes us think about the future. What's the worst case scenario? Oh my gosh, we're doomed, right? This is not what faith is. Faith is we're doomed, but I'm putting my trust in the Lord that he's gonna take care of the situation. I'm gonna lay my head back on the pillow and trust in my God, amen? Fear keeps us up all night. Faith allows us to sleep at night. Fear keeps us in anguish. Faith keeps us at peace. Do you see the difference? What fear and faith can do, although similar, unknown for the future, they have different, completely almost opposite outcomes. Hope and fear. Faith gives us something gained. Fear thinks about something lost. Do you see what the difference is? Faith is established by the hearing of the word of God. The word of God brings salvation and newness of life. And I want to share with you that faith, the fear, we, and we'll discuss that, that type of fear shortly, as I said, but that fear can ruin your newness of life. The freshness of life, it can be ruined by fear. This world, and can I say it like this? I hope this is not too mean of a term, but this world, our enemy, the world who comes against us and battles against us, is that too strong of a term to say? Is that not politically correct anymore to say the world is our enemy? The world is our enemy, saints. It wars against us. The world just seems to know how to sap the faith from us. Amen, saints? Maybe little comments at work, oh, you're crazy for believing that. Well, that's way too fantastical. How can someone like you believe that? Do you hear these things at work? Sometimes that can start to wear on you. Am I too fantastical? Am I too cray-cray, as they say? Is this too much? Is this too over the top in a world like today? Am I too, am I ruining my reputation? You know, this is, this, is what, this is what the world does to you. It starts to sap you of what you're supposed to be doing, which is telling the world about your reputation. Amen? Speaking the word of God, being confident in who you are in Jesus Christ. I read this quote according to Lewis and Clark College President Barry Glasner. One of the, he's one of the country's leading, from what I saw, one of the country's leading sociologists. He's the author of a book called The Culture of Fear. He says, we are living in the most fear-mongering time in human history. The most fear-mongering time in human history. If you think about it, fear is also very easy to manipulate, he says. We're wired to respond to it above everything else. If we miss an opportunity of abundance, he says life will go on. But if we miss an important fear cue, we feel life does not go on. If we don't respond to fear, we feel we're going to miss out on something. It's actually interesting. He says you can feel like you might miss out, for example, gaining the lottery. Oh, I missed out on my lottery ticket in the world. But life, life will go on. But if you missed out on something that's fearful, missed out on a cue of something that's fearful, you start to begin, my life's in trouble. I'm, something's bad's going to happen to me. This is what he talks about. It's been, it's been ingrained in us to respond to fear more than anything else in our body. In fact, it's sort of our human condition, our flight and fight response. Fear draws that out of us. Do I run? Do I attack? It's sort of how we're wired in some ways. The world at the time of Paul, saints, was no different. People were the exact same way. Fear and intimidation ruled the land. 
Just study the Roman Empire for a little bit. Fear and intimidation ruled the land. Line up with Caesar or be jailed? Well, maybe. Line up with Caesar or very well be killed. It ruled the land. The concern was of Paul that fear would start to creep into the Christian's heart and limit and freeze up their faith. And by saying you can never be afraid, no, of course not. It's okay to have fear. It's how we maintain our life sometimes. Like I said, it's part of our human condition. It's a good thing in some ways. This is how we can learn that God is in control. Our own fear can teach us that God is in control. We can learn from it. But the fear Paul is talking about here, and I want to focus on this tonight, it's not a fear that makes you terrified. Like a fear, like in a nightmare, you wake up in a sweat. Oh my gosh, thank God that didn't happen. That type of fear, not that type of fear. So you're meeting someone in a dark alley. You cross the street, they cross the street. I'm in trouble. That type of fear, not that type of fear. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not even talking about a fear, sort of the awe and greatness, like you might fear the Lord. You just fall on your knees because it's, he's so big and so powerful, I can't even comprehend. It's fearful, right, what he can do to you what he can do to this world. He's not talking about that type of fear. He's actually talking about a fear that makes us shy, a fear that makes us timid, a fear that makes us, in a way, cowardly. The fear in our verse for tonight is translated better as timidness, if you look at the original Greek word. It's better referenced as one who would run away from a battle, who would flee a battle. When something came up to oppose them, when something came up to resist them, Instead of standing ground, they, they take three steps back. They walk away. They turn their back on the situation. They flee from it. They run away from it. This is what Paul was talking about. Being in a way, and this is another strong word here for us today, cowardly. Being a coward in faith. Boldness, not cowardness, is the mark of the Spirit of God. You can see it all through the chapter, all through the New Testament, especially with Paul. It was boldness that marked the men and women of the Lord. Boldness. It marked godly faith. Almost all types of fear. When I say fear, I'm going to be meaning timidness, shyness, are caused by the sights and sounds of the world around us. Almost all types of fear, almost all types of time when you become, oh, I'm not going to speak up for the Lord, something visually is happening in front of you. There's something cueing you to make you draw back. You know, but saints, faith is not seen by our eyes. We don't know those words we might speak that day to that situation that seems intimidating to us might rock someone's boat and they come back and talk to you. Hey, what did you mean by that? I'm walking out of the picture, sorry. What did you mean by that? Better, what did you mean by that? I've had times where I've witnessed to people nervous, anxious. You know, I sweat. I was sweating. Two days later, someone would walk up to me in the corner privately. Hey, when you were talking the other day, it blew my mind. I never even thought that person was listening. And here they were. Hey, can you tell me more about this? It was a great witness. See, faith made steps not based on the situation in front of you, Faith is about what the Lord has planned for that situation, which we cannot see all the time. Fear says, this situation looks intimidating. I'm going to take a step back and just go into my bubble and be 
self-preservation mode. This is not why God saved us. God is our preservation. He called us to be witnesses, right, saints? Witnesses. Tell people about his word. Bring people into the community of the church and bring them to heaven eventually. Suffering, losing, not being number one, these can all think, seem like things that draw us back from serving the Lord. Paul says to Timothy, this type of thinking is weak. This type of thinking is timid. This type of thinking, Timothy, is being shy in your faith. No one begins to take God out of the equation and think, I have to do something myself as a Christian, but fear makes us start to think like this. I have to fix this situation. It's like a fight and flight response. People think preaching a certain way maybe will change something. If I preach this, then people will change. If I vote a certain way, change will happen. If I work in this such a manner, this will happen. Saints, God makes the change. God makes the change. We have to walk by faith. We have to walk in faith. Where do we get faith from? The Word of God. The Word of God. How do you know what to do in your home? What's the Word of God say? How to know how to treat your friends? What's the Word of God say? What's the Word of God say? Well, I'm looking out in front of me. This is what my friends are saying. Hey, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? Hey, but I'm looking at my country, and this is what my country's doing. What's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? Faith is our sight as Christians, not fear. Let God control the nations. Let God control the world. Lord, help us to fulfill your word. America is so consumed with greatness, and I love our country being great. Winning at the Olympics, I'm always cheering for USA. I love it when we do well. Being the most powerful military, helping in humanitarian aid to lesser countries, it's all wonderful. But it seems like this attitude has even trickled down into godly faith. Name it and claim it. Prosperity gospel. No suffering. God always has the best for you. There's no ever, if you're in God, you will never have a problem again. Right? This can start to think in our lives. We can start to think, why am I suffering for this? This is not new. This has been going happening in Jesus' time. Do you recall? Jesus, who has sinned? This man or his parents? Jesus said, this man, what is this? This is so I can, why did Jesus heal this man so his glory, faith can be shown to other humans? This is why, see, those men did not, were not living by faith. They were living by sight. When we start to live by sight, we begin to be irrational in our faith. What's the problem? What am I doing wrong? Why is my life not turning out like I thought it would? This has been going on for all of human condition, all of, all of the human time that humans have been around. Pastor Jim Simbola, we know him from the book that we read. I'm trying to remember the name, but it just escaped my mind. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, I think it was called. But he wrote another book called Fan the Flame. And in that book, he says this, In some American church circles, we are plagued by the false dominion or victory model of Christianity, which says that if you have faith and you are anointed, every door will fly open before you, obstacles will disappear, and your enemies will vanish. He said, this is a problem with Christian communities today. 
The implication here is that every door, that if every door is not flying open, and if all your obstacles are not disappearing, and your enemies are still battling you, that you're doing something wrong. Saints, the Bible teaches us quite the opposite. Oftentimes, when your enemies are battling against you, and your obstacles are mounting up, and you're feeling the weight of the doors closing around you, that usually means you're on the right path. That usually means that God is about to work some faith in your life that's going to blow your mind and lead you to a place where you never thought you could be. But with fear, we tend to think the opposite. With fear, we tend to think self-preservation. Why, why is this happening in my life? Something's not right. This is not walking by faith. This is walking by fear when we think this way. Feeling shame for the testimony of Jesus. Can you even believe this would be the case? Paul says it can happen. Feeling shame for your other brothers and sisters, for your church members, being embarrassed about them? How could you even imagine? Paul says this can happen if you're not walking by faith. This is what happens when the Christian becomes fearful. They fulfill, they don't fulfill the Bible bold teaching. They fulfill the weakness and timidness of this life. Feeling shame in Christ, it all stems from this, a concern uh, for viewing, suffering, or being looked at, down upon as weak. I don't want to be looked down upon. I don't want to view as if I'm suffering. That's not the right way as a Christian to think. I don't want to view as, as we're failing, as we're not on track. I'm going to encourage you again, God will take care of that. God will lift you up if he needs to lift you up. God will keep you low if he needs to keep you low. Our job is to maintain our faith in Jesus Christ. Walk by faith, not by sight. The truth is we can be perfectly in the center of God's will. We can be anointed by the Holy Spirit, and we can still find ourselves abundantly surrounded with problems. (laughs) I hope that didn't discourage you. But we can find ourselves like this, in anguish and pain, our backs against the wall, thinking, what's going on? How come doors aren't opening? Lord, I want to do your will. What's your will for my life? You're not answering my question. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I came on Sunday night, I prayed. Lord, you didn't, what's going on, Lord? What do we do next? Do we go into self-preservation mode? Or do we turn our eyes about this? What has he given us? He's given us a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. You see, Paul does not look at these things as shameful. You know, the spirit of fear, Paul mentions that, that comes, that's not from the Lord. Where does the spirit of fear come from then? It comes from within us. Do you see the difference here? The spirit of the Lord, Paul says, he does not give you, he did not give you that type of spirit, a spirit of fear. Where does that spirit come from then if it's not given by the Lord? We give it to ourselves. It starts to come within us. Yes, it's our old man. It's our old nature popping up. It acts from within us. It starts from within us and begins to act outside of us by drawing back, by not speaking out, by not wanting to witness, by worrying about what people might think about me, by worrying about, hey, I might lose some money. I might take a job where I can't work. Hey, I'd rather, go to, I'd rather show the Lord. I want to be at church, Lord. 
Not about the pastors, what the pastor says. Not about what people think to me. I just want to show the Lord, I want to be at church with your people. That means I might not be able to work a per diem job or overnight at a job. Because I want to show the Lord. That might mean I can't afford certain things. Where's your faith? What's your heart saying? God's spirit is a spirit of power. Dunamis, power. Love, a sound mind, self-control. It doesn't always come naturally within us. It's something God has to give us. Paul says he's given you. He has given you this spirit. A spirit that comes from outside of us, but can actually start to work within us. You see the difference? The, the spirit of fear comes within us and starts to act outside of us. God's spirit comes from outside of us and changes us from within. Starts to put the love of Christ in our hearts. Puts the love of Jesus for the love of unbelievers in our hearts. Things you never thought you could say to someone, the Lord will put it in your heart to speak to this person. The love for the church, the love for his word. Take on the spirit of God to overcome the world's fear or the fear that the world gives you. I shared recently, and Brother Brian actually, Pastor Brian mentioned this briefly, but the Bible clearly tells us that persecution will come. In a way, it even says it may rise. As what? As the day of the Lord approaches. Every day, the day, of the, every day is a day closer to the Lord's return. That means every day is a day that persecution is on the uptick. It's slowly rising, saints. Don't be surprised by persecution. Don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be surprised by anything that happens in this world. As far as, hey, maybe financially you'll be in a, you'll be in a bind. This is going to happen during the end times. There'll be droughts. There'll be famines. What happens when there's droughts and famines and land? Prices go up. Things get out of control. People become hungry. People start to fight for food. It becomes chaotic a little bit. This is natural. This is going to happen. Don't be alarmed. Don't think something's wrong with the world. Well, there is something wrong with the world. But don't think something's wrong that God is not on his throne. This is walking by faith. Know what we should do? Tell people. Hey, hey, co-worker, this is going to happen. Let me tell you about something. Let me tell you how we can get through this. Hey, family member, let me tell you. I know you're concerned about this situation in the world, how it looks. Let me tell you how we can get through it. There's this guy named Jesus. Let me tell you what his word says. You see, this is faith. Well, what's going to happen next? You know what? Let's not worry about what's going to happen next. Tomorrow we'll take care of tomorrow. Let's worry about today. Let's worry. What does the Bible say for today? Today is what? The day of salvation. Today is your day. Today is your day of salvation. Maintain the salvation on the day that is given to you. The day that you have breath. The day that you're walking in this life. Boost up your salvation. Read your Bible. Talk to another brother. Call up a sister. Talk about the word of God. Encourage each other. Go out and witness. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to be a witness. Where can you be used by the Lord? Pray about it. Seek the Lord about it. I want to encourage you to how to respond tonight without timidness in the Lord. Don't feel shame. You know, the Apostle Paul knew what suffering was. Amen, saints? He encouraged Timothy to join in that suffering. If anyone else, you could read 2 Corinthians. I mean, there's a whole list of what happened to Paul. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night, I believe it was, out in the ocean, floating around. I mean, bitten by animals, snakes. I mean, this guy beaten several times, uh, uh, mocked, flogged, 
whipped, punched, spat upon, kicked. I think I said stoned, but I'll say it again. He was stoned. <laughs> Shipwrecked. That's right. I mean, this guy knew suffering. Nobody said, to, nobody said to Timothy, come and join in my suffering. It almost seems counterproductive for us today. I don't want to go through a shipwreck. But, you're, you're, but again, you're missing the point. That's how fear thinks. What does the Lord have for you? What does the Lord have for you? What Paul might think of that, I think I wrote down here, what did I write here? I lost my note here, but the point of it was Paul thought it was that suffering was worthy to follow Christ. That suffering was worthy of the gospel. That little suffering that Paul had to Paul, it was well worth it to be a child of the Lord. Saints, we, I don't think any of us have been shipwrecked and spent a day and night in sea. I don't think any of us have been stoned. I don't think any of us have been flogged or beaten how much more can we say what the life the Lord's given us has been worth it in serving Jesus Christ? Can we walk by faith and not by sight? And I want to end tonight with a little bit of encouragement. How do we respond to this when we're going through the midst of it? You may say, Brother Ben, I'm going through the midst of it right now. I'm going through the heart of it right now. Can we look at one little account of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16? Let's go there, Acts chapter 16. I hope I'm encouraging you tonight. Don't let the world's fear intimidate you. Keep you silent. Take steps back. Yes, don't forget the Bible says he'll give us a spirit of self-control. It doesn't mean you're go hog wild in faith. No, you have self-control, but you don't have fear. You have power, but you don't have fear. You have love, but you don't have fear. And that's chapter 16, verse 22. It has this account where uh, Paul and Silas were being followed by a woman. You guys know this account. It's, pretty, it's a pretty infamous account in the word of God. She had an evil spirit of fortune telling within her. Do you remember this account? And she would sit there and tell the people, these two are the men of the most high God. And it sort of it, it started to wear Paul down. I think Paul just got frustrated after a while. He let it go on for some time, but then it, he just turned and rebuked the evil spirit that was in her, and, and the evil spirit, spirit left her, and the, the men that were sort of her master, or their, their masters were sort of, became angry. Wow, they became fearful, right? They started to realize our money's gone. They became fearful. They started looking at, this is what we're talking about. They became fearful, thinking financial gain has been ruined by this man, Paul, and often what fouls fear is anger. And what did they do? They became very angry. They grabbed Paul, they grabbed Silas, and they dragged him to the magistrates. And, and it says the crowd, in verse 22, it says the crowd joined in on the attack against Paul and Silas. These men were attacked for just saying, evil spirit, leave. <laughs> it's amazing. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. They saved a woman's life from anguish. This is how the world thinks. Strip them down and beat them. After they had been severely flogged, the word of God says, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. We all know what happens to jailers that don't guard their, their uh, inmates carefully, right? In the Roman Empire, we saw it happen in an account already. They were killed if they escaped. 
When he received these orders, the jailer in verse 24 received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. He wasn't about to let them go. Go right to the inner part of the jail. I'm going to lock you down. And if you get out, you have to walk through several, maybe jails, to, bars to get out. You're not, you're not getting out tonight, Paul and Silas. About midnight, maybe it was so deep inside the cell, they had no idea what time it was. They were probably, I'm not, saints, it says they were severely flogged. They were not feeling good. I'm telling you right now, a little bit of pain does not make you feel good. Being flogged severely, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't doing well physically. But it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Hallelujah. Saints, when you're feeling not well, I'm going to encourage you, start praying. It says they were praying and they started to sing hymns to God. And look what happened. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You see what happened? The spirit of fear comes on you. I'm doomed. I'm quiet. Your head goes down. Blood's on my back. My life is over. They're going to kill me tomorrow. I'm in the inner cell. You're not speaking. But when you have faith, what do you start to do? You start praising Jesus. Look at my situation, Lord. Paul and Silas did not, were not mentioned once here. Lord, look at how bad we were beaten. It just said they began to pray and sing. And guess who was listening? The other prisoners. You see, saints, when you start praying and singing and your testimony as work is of one of, hey, they just gave us more, more work to do. Hallelujah, let's get the work done quick. Someone's going to say, you're crazy. Well, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Let's just keep going. We'll get through this together, right? Look at the testimony they had. Look at verse 26. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I picked up on this when I read this account this time. It says everyone's chains came loose. I used to think Paul and Silas's chains came loose. But here it says everyone's chains came loose. See what the power of God can do? It released the sinner. It released those who are bound through prayer and singing of hymns. And I started thinking, what could these men have been thinking? I got into my little, like, I love doing this in the word of God when I come across an account. You should really do it. So neat. Put yourself there. What were they singing? What were they talking to each other about? They had to know the New Old Testament. I, immediately I started thinking, I wonder if they thought about King Jehoshaphat. Do you remember, hey, Paul, do you remember King Jehoshaphat? He was told there was a, there was, there was, evil coming from the east and ready to destroy them. Something unknown, a big army. Something tomorrow is going to happen to us, Paul. We don't know what it's going to be. What did Jehoshaphat do? He called all the people together and said, let's start praying. Remember they prayed? The song says they prayed from the high on down to the low, right? They were blessed. Judah brought all the people together and they started to pray and sing the Lord. You know what else they did? Jehoshaphat said, get the seniors together. And start singing. You know what song they sing? Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise. Do you think the prison was rocking that night? I wonder if they started singing. Hey, Paul, praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye. Here they are locked in chains. Hey, Jehoshaphat, the Lord showed Jehoshaphat. They prayed and sang, and the victory was given. Keep singing. Hey, keep singing. And maybe they said to the, to, the, to the guys around them, hey, jailmates, this is a really simple song. 
Praise ye the Lord, his mercy endures forever and ever. You just sing it with us, praise. Maybe the jail was praising the Lord that night. You know what happens when you start praising the Lord and you start looking through faith? You start to forget about the flogging that you have. You start to forget that you're in a prison and you're locked. And you know what the Lord does? He doesn't forget. And you're released. And you know what I love about this whole account? What I love about this whole account is the jailer came in ready to fall on his sword. And Paul yells out, we're all here. Don't do it. You know what the jailer's first words are? What must I do to be saved? Not thank you guys for not running away. Not thank you for keeping orderly and in control. Help Paul aside. Thank you for keeping order amongst these sinners. The jailer's first response when he, when he saw that all the men were there was this. What must I do to be saved? You see the testimony of faith, walking by faith and not by fear, saints? See what it brings to the world around us? Salvation. What do I need to be saved when we walk by faith and not by fear? And that went on to have a great salvation experience, not only for that jailer, but his whole family was saved. They were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and their generation of family of people were changed because two men in that jail cell that night despite the situation they were in, despite the world around them, despite what the world says, they decided to pray and sing psalms to the Lord, and the victory was won that night, just like Jehoshaphat did many, many, many years earlier. And that's my word for tonight. Saints, walk by faith, not by fear. When you're fearing the world pushing on you, when you're feeling the pressures of the world to push in on you, and you become anxious, You've been paralyzed by the situation. Lift your eyes to heaven. Pray to him and sing songs to him and watch the salvation of what the Lord can bring in your life. Lord, help us to win souls to you by walking in faith, not by fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night, saints. God is so good. Keep the faith.